Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated, you may be seated want to welcome those online in Jesus' name. We want to welcome you to this service and to this very special uh, moment because I'm going to talk about toxic emotions. I want to welcome everyone that is here this morning here at church. Um, We're grateful to see you here. We're doing two services uh, right now and at 12 o'clock since we've uh, broken or since uh, COVID. Um, And so we are still enjoying two services. And those of you that are in this service, I'm so glad to see you. Uh, Those of you in line, welcome. Uh, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me. There's a verse in the Old Testament uh, that decrees that how the mighty heroes have fallen. And I want you to see that verse with me, how the mighty heroes have fallen. It's a 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. It's a really small verse, but it goes to what the, um, the ministry of this morning and the message that God has put in my heart. Uh, um, is saying this morning, Second uh, Samuel chapter one, verse twenty-seven. Second uh, Samuel chapter one, verse twenty-seven. It says, "Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen, and stripped their weapons, uh, they lie dead. Stripped of their weapons, stripped of their weapons, they lie dead." Uh, there's a concept here of heroes that are mighty, that were powerful. Not only in the Old Testament, but today. There are heroes even today. And even in the New Testament, this word hero or the word mighty is used several times. Reference to somebody who does exploit, somebody who's above and beyond. Somebody who enjoys God's grace, God's favor, God's strength, uh, God's skills or talents or abilities. And they employ them. They use them for God's glory. Uh, They do things beyond the natural, beyond your wit. Uh, wherewithal and withitness. And here is the story of the, 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 how the story of King Saul ends. For those of you that know the story of King Saul, uh, he's at first looking for his, do- for his father's donkeys. He's out searching. He's diligent. He has God's favor. He's head and shoulders above everyone in Israel. And God sees him already. He has, God has his eye unbeknownst to King Saul. Like many of us, uh, you and I were going about your business. You were chasing your donkeys, uh, doing your thing, and God was chasing you. The reality is that God was looking for you as you are, were looking to advance in life, go to work, uh, maybe make it work, make your family or your relationships work. And yet God had an appointed place and time for you to come and know Jesus as your Lord and Savior with a purpose. Then we see him being entreated by God. Uh, Samuel the prophet begins to connect with with this young man, Saul, with all this potential. He had the right attitude and the right humility at first. Uh, He he did not think himself as worthy or as a candidate or at the height or the level of, of the anointing, the calling to become king. And yet he was reserved enough. And then the first time we see him hesitate, we see him hiding among the baggage. So we see them hiding uh, 
1 Samuel chapter 9, it's a great story. God is looking for him. Everybody's looking for him, not God. God knew where he was, but everyone was looking for him and no one could find him at the moment of truth where Samuel was going to present him to everybody. Like many of us, God calls you, he saves you, he delivers you, he anoints you, he plans to use your life, and then we hesitate, we equivocate. Uh, there is like reservations and what if, and I believe there are two things happening. I believe that he had genuine uh, uh, intimidation or fear. He, he had hesitation, and I don't blame anyone who hesitates to say yes to God's call or to go to the next level of commitment or of service and not look around you and not try to see who's with you or who's not with you. Uh, but King Saul, before he was presented as the king, he, he's hiding in the baggage. No one can find him, no one. And yet, and then Samuel basically prays and God says, there he is hiding among the baggage. There he is hiding in, in the baggage. Um, and it was different things that, that they brought because they made a convocation and all of Israel came and they would pile all the, the different tools and even weapons and extra stuff in, in a big heap. And that's, there he was and God knew that he was hiding. And then I want to talk about the baggage of our emotions, of toxic emotions. Um, I'm uh, like for the, the title to just be available here, but I want to uh, freedom from toxic emotions. We did a survey uh, last Sunday about some of the, the topics that you would like to hear. And this is basically under the theme, because you asked for it. Because you asked for it. And the vast majority, not the vast, but the majority was people wanting to have freedom. Look and, and or, or discuss or have conversations or messages about freedom. Uh, freedom from emotional compromise, from moral compromise. Uh, men looking for freedom from chains and fetters that have to do with their past or with pornography uh, and or with areas where, where many a men or, and women emotionally, uh, we are, are dealing with many feelings and emotions that keep us bound uh, and that keep us limited and grounded. And many of us, like King Saul, are still uh, unable to come out of the baggage or be able to move forward and become the person and the minister, uh, the husband, the wife, the, the individual that God wants you to be. And I want to just use King Saul's life a little bit more. He became king. He never was able to overcome a lot of his emotional baggage, emotional baggage, especially insecurity, especially jealousy. Uh, anyone that has to deal with being insecure, men especially, or that you have jealousy, you're, you're jealous about your relationship, you're overbearing, you're obsessed uh, you're oppressive. Uh, you're, you're somebody who, who is insecure about who you are, your identity, and therefore everything else is compromised in your relationship, everything. And I'm not saying that some uh, people don't deserve being maybe watched after, maybe with more close attention, especially for uh, when it talks about or when we have to be, uh, when we have to govern ourselves and we have to hold each other accountable. I'm not talking about holding people accountable. I'm talking that King Saul began to be jealous of others around him, of King David or David. He was a young man. When God began to use David, he couldn't help it. He could not celebrate David. He could not support David. He could not uh, make David his, like his ally. At the beginning he did, but one day King Saul begins to hear dances and a song that was made by some damsels from, from, uh, from the singers, if you will, that began to say uh, Saul killed his thousands. And when he heard that, I imagine that he says, that's awesome. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed 
10,000. And, and he did not like that comparison. He did not like that he was second fiddle to someone else, even though he had the crown. Uh, because a lot of us don't look or don't uh, base yourself on your identity, who God says you are. If you're the father, you're the father. If you're the mom, you're the mom. No one else can compete with that uh, gift, with that title. Uh, others may be more talented. Uh, other people around you, other aunts and uncles uh, might be having certain graces, but no one can be you. No one can replace you. No one can supersede you being you. No one can be better at being you than you. So if when you are comfortable with you, when you get comfortable under your skin and you begin to work, all of us have areas where God wants us to develop, God wants us to grow. All of us have areas of growth. But that does not mean that anyone, anyone should uh, uh, basically uh, be ill, if you will, suffer uh, with the kinds of toxic emotions that plagued King Saul. So he began to be jealous and insecure and he began to lash out when somebody, he began to be angry and bitter. And then pretty soon he found himself, just God began to distance himself. He began to perform, project. Uh, he wanted the attention of people. He wanted the acclaim. He wanted the support of the people more than of God. And when God calls him, Samuel says, I want to I do a sacrifice. That we're going to go to battle. So he's there nervous. People begin to desert him. So he begins to take a place. He begins to offer a sacrifice, and he was not his place. So somebody that is insecure, somebody that struggles with emotional insecurities or emotional toxic emotions, you'll begin to do things that are not yours to do. You'll begin to act in ways that are not in keeping with God's calling and God's gifting. You'll begin to project. Uh, you, you will want popularity with people instead of being in good graces with God. Uh, you'll do things that are out of your character. You'll begin to drink and, and do things or go places and speak in a way because you want people to like you instead of, of having God uh, endorse you, having God approve of you. And that was his, his flaw. That was his Achilles. Um, when Samuel shows up, he's sacrificing. It's not his place. He's not a priest. He's a king. And Samuel says, why did you do this? Uh, you have done wrongly before, foolishly. Today I was coming to to anoint you king forever. You and your house, you and your kids, Jonathan, uh, you were going to be forever in the presence of God. But because you have done foolishly, God has also taken away his, uh, his favor upon your life. And he's already chosen someone else that's better than you. And immediately King Saul says that David. That's, I bet he's talking about David. And he begins to suffer not only with derision and delusions, but the Spirit of God departs from King Saul. And then later on, he begins to dabble, dabble into the occult. He begins to look at tarot cards, if you will, tea leaves, uh, looking for, you know, the, the, what, what's it, the horoscope, if you will. Looking for someone to tell him about his future when only God knows the future. Not only does he hold your future, but when you get there, God is holding you. Uh, so God is waiting for you in your future. Uh, so I want to talk about freedom from toxic emotions. The toxic emotions that one day the mighty person in you, the mighty hero in you will fall. And, and the weapons that God has given you, the tools that God has given you. If you're not careful, you will be stripped of your weapons. Stripped of your anointing. Stripped of God's grace. Stripped of your calling. If you're not careful, uh, it is not only implied and explicitly in Scripture, 
but, but David laments. This is a song. This is a song. This lamentation is a song about how the mighty have fallen. These great heroes, he considered King Saul and Jonathan heroes, mighty heroes. How have they fallen? Now, oh, how have they, these heroes, these mighty heroes have stumbled and fallen, but also that they were stripped from their weapons of war, stripped from their tools. Um, and um, there is a Patrick, um, Patrick Henry is known for having said a speech in uh, 1775. He said a speech and he declared in a sanctuary in St. John's Church um, in Richmond, Virginia, give me liberty or give me death. So give me liberty or give me death. I will tell you right now that if you don't, uh, uh, be, if you're not able to assuage yourself, if you are not able to find yourself where you're a place of liberty from toxic emotions, it will be the, the end of you. That, that you either have liberty from toxic emotions like anger and jealousy, and I'm going to name them, all, all, a lot of them, or it will be the death of you. Uh, that these toxic emotions, you were not creative to harbor. God did not create you to harbor negative, toxic, pessimistic um, uh, emotions uh, that are both not only toxic but destructive. And Henry, uh, Patrick Henry, uh, is credited to having swung the balance. When he said this great speech of give me liberty or give me death, there was like a, just a movement that began to swell and uh, he, he swung the balance, convincing the convention that was there to pass the resolution, delivering Virginian troops for the Revolutionary War. Among the delegates that were there that heard that speech were future U.S. presidents, uh, Jefferson and George Washington were there. And they later on, they say that that speech about liberty or death was, was a line in the sand. Liberty or death. Can I say to you that everything is riding on your ability to overcome negative, toxic, destructive emotions? You either find liberty or it will be the death of your relationships, the death of your peace, of your strength, of your anointing, of your marriages, of your relationships with your kids. It will be the death of ministry. No one can be in ministry for too long and harbor negative, destructive emotions. There is a cry that should emanate from everybody's depth. From everybody's soul, give me, oh God, liberty, or this is going to be the end of me. These feelings, these emotions, give me freedom, uh, not from chains and fetters that might anchor my feet or bind my hands, but freedom from the effects of a fallen life, or freedom from feeling broken or lonely or desperate. Give me freedom from feeling depressed, wounded, angry, or bitter. Give me freedom from being a slave and a prisoner of my sins and the toxic emotions and destructive after effects of my sins when they're not confessed, confronted, and counteracted the way God is asking every man, every young lady, and every, hus every wife, every husband to do. The good news is that, there, that such a freedom uh, and such a liberty are available right here this morning in this house because Jesus is in this house. How many say amen? Many of you will remember the demoniac from Gadara. And he was bound by a legion of demons. Some of you look like you're demon-possessed, but you're no match for Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, sorry, I just had to insult one or two people today, especially, and I was going to say somebody that's visiting, but that's okay. I retract that in Jesus' name. I want to say something here that you were created to walk, to live, and to thrive in freedom. And that freedom is both the platform 
and the passport for such a life. I want to say that again, that everyone here, you were created by God uh, to walk in freedom, to live in freedom, and to thrive. And that freedom, freedom is the platform and also the passport uh, for such a life. Galatians 5.13, I don't know if you got it up there, and if not, that's okay. Galatians 5.13 says, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia or the Galatians, and he says, my brothers and sisters, you were called, you were created to be free, to live in freedom. But you cannot or you should not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Uh, Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Uh, In other words, you and I were created, thank you, uh, for freedom, to live in freedom, called uh, to to move about, uh, to set that freedom as your platform, as your passport for great things. And so I want to repeat one more time that you were created to walk, live, and thrive. And freedom is the platform and the passport for such a life. Your life, your relationships, your calling, your purpose, your mission, your ministry uh, were created. You were created to thrive under the standard Or the banner, I am set free. Uh, Anyone who's bound by emotions, toxic emotions, that I'm going to be talking about, you're already limited. You're already going to be the expression of, oh, how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war. Their weapons have been stripped from them so that they're no longer able to create. They're no longer able to engage in spiritual warfare. Why? Because once somebody is consumed with guilt and shame, The devil just comes and takes you, strips away uh, your warfare, your weapons, your authority, your anointing. Now, you're still a son or a daughter of God, but the the devil just becomes or or comes and eliminates, neuters you, emasculates you, makes you neutral, nothing, even though you still are a son or a daughter of God. And David just cries out and he says, oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. And how they've been stripped from their weapons of their warfare. They've been stripped from their anointing, uh, from their cutting edge, uh, from their authority, uh, from being able to speak words and have God through the Holy Spirit uh, have them come to reality. Because in, in essence, faith is speaking that which is not and declaring it as if it were in Jesus' name. That is why Satan and his minions and the spirit of this world relentlessly assault and attack our Achilles' heel. Everyone has an Achilles heel. It's called your emotions. It's not so much your mind because your emotions are part of your mind. And it's not so much your spirit. It's your emotions. Now watch this. The strategy is quite simple from the devil. He wants to infiltrate and then infect your soul. What is your soul? It is your mind and your emotions. That is what we are, a soul. All of us, I just took for a reminder, all of us, you are first spirit. You are first a spirit with a soul in a body. I want to say that again. Everybody, you're a spirit. You're not this body. That's not you. It's not even your name. You're a spirit with a soul. A soul is feelings, the intellect, your thinking, your mind, your emotions. That's your soul. That is what speaks to your spirit. And your spirit speaks to your soul. God speaks to your spirit. God speaks to your spirit. So you're a spirit with a soul in a body. But once the enemy is able to infiltrate your feelings, once he's able to accomplish, to intoxicate, your emotions, to make them bitter, to have confusion, to be in despair, to be depressed, Uh, then mission accomplished for the devil. The die is cast, um, and every factor, focus, and facet in your life is seriously compromised when your emotions are compromised. 
Everything that wants to do, everything that God wants to accomplish is severely undermined and damaged because you are damaged goods. Because your emotions will not allow you, your mind, your feet to go anywhere with confidence, especially when you're struggling with toxic emotions. So it behooves all of us this morning to be reminded that because we live in a fallen world and we ourselves are fallen creatures, our fallen nature has made us vulnerable and susceptible to a life threatened and subject to permanent emotional blackmail. Emotional blackmail. Not by forces outside. No, by you and your own emotions that saying, I'm not good enough. Uh, I've failed. I've tried this before. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a failure. You are your worst enemy. Your feelings, your emotions, uh, uh, corrupt, uh, emotional blackmail, corruption, compromise, and toxicity begin to take place in your own feelings, in your own heart, and in your own mind. See, once we experience emotional pain, all of us, and trauma, if we're not careful, that leads to drama. I want to say that again only because it rhymes and only because I wrote it. So once you experience emotional pain and trauma, I'm a simple kind of guy. I'm simple. Once you, emotion, you experience emotional pain and trauma, if you're not careful, it will lead to drama. Woe is me. Now watch. Every time you and I are indelibly hurt, every time you're hurt, especially by people we love or, or by actions that you take and hurt people you love. But every time uh, you and I are hurt or you're wounded, or every time we're rejected, betrayed, abandoned, insulted, abused, misused, mistreated, mistrusted. Every time we're misunderstood, misrepresented, misguided, or misconstrued. Every time. A slew of, it, of infected feelings uh, and negative thoughts and toxic emotions flood your head, your heart, and your soul. Once the effects set in, you and I are in a heap of trouble. Toxic emotions when untreated, uh, uncontested, unrepented, unconfessed. When those toxic emotions are left to their own devices, they will result in feelings that lead to anger um, or uncertainty, confusion, sadness, depression, victimization, fear, feelings like anxiety and stress and worry, insomnia, loneliness, doubt, guilt, shame, anger. I've, I use anger two or three times because I, I sense a lot of you guys are angry. And then when, you guys, when I look at you guys, it makes me angry just looking at you guys. So I have anger several times intentionally. You start feeling doubt, the feelings. Once your, your toxic emotions are, are basically getting the best of you, guilt and shame, self-loathing, pessimism, self-deception, insecurity, frustration, commiseration, bewilderment, envy, jealousy, bitterness, hatred, anger, resentment, suicidal ideations. The person who says, my life is not worth it. And the enemy begins to say, why don't you just die? Then you begin to experience obsessive compulsiveness, like just, just feelings that are totally in both directions, passive aggressive. Like, like there's a lot of us, a lot of you, a lot of that you're passive and that you're really like really like a little lamb. And then something happens and you're triggered and you become like a wolf. You become a lion. You hurt people because you're passive aggressive and your kids don't know how to approach you. Your, your wife doesn't know how to deal with you uh, because you are passive aggressive. Hey, honey, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you snap. Uh, and then plates start flying, sisters, right? Plate, rah, rah, rah. And then like, whoa, who is that? Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Self-destructive and abusive behaviors will begin to ensue and manifest in ways and means that are unbecoming of a child of the Most High God. God never meant for you to be on a rampage. 
God never meant for you to suffer guilt and shame and anger and self-loathing or insecurity, frustrations, bewilderment, envy, jealousy, which was King Saul's Achilles. He was jealous of somebody else's anointing. Like most men are jealous of me because you wish you looked as good as I do. I, there's somebody right here sitting in this area that is totally jealous of, of my, just my, okay, never mind. So we know that spiritually, watch this, we know spiritually, all of us, we know anecdotally. That means you've experienced it. We know scientifically. We know by science, by the way, that most illnesses, most illnesses, most diseases, physiological, psychological, and psychosomatic disorders, uh, as well as most forms of spiritual bondage, blindness, and bankruptcy, most forms of demonic oppression and manifestation stem from negative and toxic emotions. Most people, their sicknesses, their diseases, their high blood pressure, their low blood pressure, their sugar, their salt, and their, and their, and their blood. Thank you. Um, are because they, are, they stem from, they are rooted in uh, negative emotions, insomnia, just, just stress, high blood pressure, name it. Uh, the root causes are uh, illness, not in the body, but they stem from an illness in your emotions, in your soul, in your soul, in your soul. So King Saul is a case in point. And can serve as a source of information, revelation, and reevaluation for all of us this morning. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. David laments, why would somebody so great, so good, uh, with so much potential, like a Jonathan and, La, and, and his father, King Saul, and Saul, how could they be stripped of their weapons? Stripped of their. Now, what are you in warfare without a weapon? Who are you? In life, when life is warfare and you have no weapons, no defense mechanisms, no authority, no word, no anointing, no grace, no favor, no confidence, because you've been stripped uh, via emotional compromise. You don't sense you're worthy. You, don't, you feel miserable. You've hurt people around you uh, because of toxic emotions. And the Holy Spirit through David acknowledges that there is a category uh, of mighty men and women that are worthy, worthy to be called mighty. Now there's a title one does not often associate nor, nor others freely embrace, mighty. Uh, defined as someone who is special or great powers and amplified strength and amplified capacity and virtue and influence, influence. Uh, important uh, to declare, it's important to declare and distinguish that men and women may be mighty, men and women may be mighty. It might be impressive and mighty fine and mighty special, but only God is almighty. Only God is almighty. How many say amen this morning? There are many people in scripture that God calls mighty. I'm going to go ahead and skip through that because I want to get to the heart of this message. So why is it that, uh, up there if you can help me, why is it that believers fade, falter, and fall? How is it that the hero in you, the mighty person in you, there's many in the Bible, Paul calls Apollos mighty. Uh, he was mighty in the word. And they're just, just so, there's a lot of people that was surprised how many people, even the Old Testament, Nimrod was called the first mighty man on the earth. And so God is not afraid to call anyone mighty. And especially if you have the, the person of Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are a mighty force. You're a mighty man of God. So the angel says to, to, a, to a frightened uh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, you mighty man of valor, you. And he's looking like, who? Who are you talking about? You, you, you are a mighty person with God working in you if you are cleansed and if you're purged from your, the negative 
emotions that, that assault uh, most people's lives uh, because they are uh, because they don't have an understanding of grace. Here we go. Here, why do believers fade, falter, and fall away? Because most of us cling, and we are the victim of up there. Help me, a flawed, a faulty, and flawed theology. So this is this is more deeper, and I won't be able to go. But a faulty and flawed theology. Many believers fall because they subscribe to the false and flawed understanding of what salvation truly is. Believers fade and fall away because they underestimate the purpose and the power of grace in your life. They fall for the head fake that salvation is earned or sustained by works. They try harder and harder and harder uh, and they become more harsh and more demanding and more inflexible because they think God is inflexible. They think that God is so holy and he is that he would do nothing. He wants nothing with a wretched, with a wretch like you and me. And I thank God that God is attracted to wretchedness. God is attracted to your sin. God is attracted to your failures and your follies and your foibles. We serve a God that is attracted by the weaknesses. He did not choose noble, many a noble. He did not choose the wise, but he chose the broken. He chose the poor and the weak. Uh, and that which was not to confound the wise, the strong, and those that are. God chose you to be on his team. When I choose a team, I was in high school or college, and, you know, we pick. I would choose a team, and I'd look for the strongest, the fastest, the most able, the most adroit, the most dexterous. Uh, people like, like myself, I would pick people like myself. With movements, with schedule, I, with motion, flexibility, strength, agility. And most of my, oh, never mind. I was going to say that I learned most of my movements from my mom because there was always shoes flying my way or a belt. Whoa, where did that come from? One time my mom spanked me. She hit me in the head somewhere in the face. And I, I began to look for my eyes. I said, mom, you knocked my eye out. My mom says, where? And she starts looking for my eye too. Like if it was, anyway, you have not suffered like I have suffered, people. Thank you very much. Thank you. A flawed theology. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. God is holy in his essence and in his attributes. But he's also a loving father that has a heart for you. Because his son died for you. And if his son died for you, that makes you good enough for the father too. So that if you receive the righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, I'm telling you, who are you to say that his righteousness is not good enough for you? The devil, a faulty, a flawed theology has millions in gutter guilt. I'll say that again. The devil has millions in the guilt of gutter, the gutter guilt, self-condemned, self-consumed, uh, weary, uh, sin-weary believers who have given up on themselves and by extension given up on God because of their misconception, misinterpretation, and misapplication of grace. Other than believing and looking to Christ for redemption, and for forgiveness of sin, salvation has nothing to do with you except for believing in Christ Jesus. Salvation and righteousness has nothing to do with you. It's not your righteousness that God is after. It's already the righteousness impugned upon you by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son. You are righteous because Jesus is righteous and perfect. And because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your propitiation, as your substitute. Jesus says, let me step in. Let me clothe you with my righteousness and you get out of the way. Salvation has barriers, that nothing to do with you and everything to do with Christ, of what he did for you once and for all, when he took away the sins of your past, your present, and future. And he paid not only the penalty of death, but also 
the penalty to take away your guilt and your condemnation. If you're up there, I'm going to close with this because the introduction went long. But I'll, I'll probably continue this because I, I want everybody. This is a message that God spoke to my heart. All week I've been writing this message. All week. Oh, how the heroes, the mighty heroes have fallen. And how you and I, if we're not careful, you'll be stripped of, of what makes you special in the kingdom of God. Your artillery. Stripped of, of strategies. Of of, of weapons, of your tools, of your grace, your virtue, your anointing, your calling, your purpose, your mission, stripped. Because you've believed the big lie. You've believed the big lie that I keep falling, Pastor. I keep stumbling. Uh, the Bible says that the righteous stumble seven times. That means perpetually, continually. But they 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 step up. They, they stand up eight times. You get up. You come to church. You, you dust yourself off. You receive. You walk in the grace. And the grace... Because the Bible says, Paul says that where sin abound, grace abound even more. Even more. Grace abounds even more. And I'm not trying to get anyone to, to think that you could sin and not pay the consequences. But I'm telling you that sin does not disqualify you. It just makes you, it just makes you human. Ephesians 2. Up there if you help me real quickly. I want everyone to read this. This is kind of long. But if you get this revelation... If you get this about who you are in Christ Jesus and you can overcome your toxic emotions, if you embrace uh, the true gospel instead of a flawed, uh, faulty and flawed theology. It says once you were dead because of your disobedience. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil. The commander of the powers uh, in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way. All of us. How many say amen? Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, say with me, say but God. Is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much, but God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Jesus from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Unmerited favor. Hallelujah. Saved. Saved from everything, from your past, from your sins. Saved from this world, from destruction, saved from hell, saved. Verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, God did, and then he seated us with him, with Christ in heavenly realms. That means authority, uh, authority, realms of authority, uh, because we are united with Jesus Christ. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. And, in, and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. I love verse 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this for it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done 
Uh, So none of us can boast and say, look at how righteous, look at how clean, look at how perfect. Oh, I walk better. I walk holier than anyone else. That is a big lie. No one can boast for salvation is a gift of God by grace. It is salvation is by faith. It is a gift of God. Lest any person should boast and try to take credit for something that Christ and Christ alone has done for you and for me. And then for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. There is a friend of mine who is here who says we're not God's showpieces. We are God's masterpieces, right? We're not a showpiece. Is that the, is that the right way? Is that the, Master Sean? So he has created us anew. Jesus has created us anew in Jesus Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You don't have to do. You get to do good things that God planned for us long ago because he that is saved, he who the Son of God sets free, is free indeed. It's free indeed. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the living God. To the living God, to the living God and Savior. Um, uh, just real quickly, just, just so that you, the, the price of admission, some of you guys paid money when you came into the church today, or you will pay money before you leave, I assure you, or else you ain't leaving. Uh, just, just kidding. A lot of us have a, not only a faulty, a faulty, a faulty um, um, and flawed theology when it comes to our salvation, but we, we are, are fickle and feckless in our spirit. We are fickle and feckless. If you can go up there, just real quickly. I just Fickle means that you change your mind all the time. That, that you change loyalties. Uh, you change affections. You're like that, that wave of James chapter 1 that goes in and out. Feckless is someone who is weak and ineffective and irresponsible in the gifts, in the anointing, in cultivating uh, your calling, in coming and being present and in, in taking the, the Bible study with you that we're doing uh, in the book of Mark of, of maybe going through the paces, the steps uh, of new of, of uh, growth track and just being faithful, consistent. You might be a person that comes every once in a while. And maybe this is the one time you came today. and the, So don't be fickle. So people that are fickle and feckless, they fall. The, the hero in them never develops. The, the weapons are never sharpened. They never get to do the, what God has created you to do because you're never consistent enough to be there long enough to make it happen. To have, a, have you grow and develop in muscles and strength and and vision. Thank you for muscles. Whoever got the word muscles, that's how you spell it. Muscles. You, you're never consistent enough to let God develop the giftings, the hero in you. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. And they've been stripped of the weapons of their warfare. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.